You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 192. And my name is Clark from Five Card Guys on Instagram and fivecardguys.com. Co-hosting with me, as usual, is John, who is Trade You at Recess on IG. And we got Will back for another episode. All right, off the top, guys. I know we've talked a lot already on the pod about the 2024 Top Series 1 baseball set that's coming out, I believe, in a week or two. But there was another announcement made by Tops, and I think it's actually pretty big news. Uh, that announcement was that the 2024 Top Series 1 blaster boxes will have redemption cards inserted for signed baseballs and other memorabilia. Okay, and I think it's an exclusive for blaster boxes. So, so thoughts, what do you guys think about this? Would this make you buy more blasters rather than rather than uh, a hobby box even? Uh, the So the initial news of it, I think was pretty cool you know the initial reaction is oh that's great give some chase and some value back to the little guys and the dads and moms with their their kids i I think it's it's a great initial reaction and then the the business side of it you're you're kind of like okay i kind of get it too because they don't want to lose the supply demand of selling blasters for 40 50 bucks (laughs) so they they sure. basically have to add a little bit more to continue to entice people on the demand at that price point without having to, you know, revert back to going back to 30 bucks or, you know, obviously, like, if I was, you know, like a, the tops president, I would be working hard dig- diligently to keep that price point as much as I can and not ever re- have to revert back to 30 bucks or 25 bucks or 22 bucks, right? So. Right. Uh, from a business standpoint, it makes sense, but I, I, you know, at, at the for the time being, um, just looking at it, yeah, I think that's, I think it's great. And I, who knows how hard this is to get? It might be <laughs> extremely difficult, and it might be almost like a, a like a non news point if when you're actually ripping. But it is, it is good to see that blasters are getting some value. I would, yeah, I'd, yeah, probably, I'd, I like- I'd probably try it. Like that's, a, it's an easy entry point, right, in terms of money. Oh yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. I think so, um, and I, I like to. Point out to our American listeners the price points you were saying were Canadian prices. Right, yeah? right. My apologies. <laughs> you were like, oh, it's like five bucks, five bucks American. Yeah, five dollars Canadian, fifty dollars. <laughs> I mean, five dollars American. Uh, well, yeah, you know what? I think I think uh, the the price point matters. Like, if they are going to sell retail boxes for close to fifty bucks Canadian, I don't know why I would rip. A retail box over a hobby that's going to be like a hundred. I don't think it's enough incentive for me to want to open retail boxes, but I think for people who are wanting to open retail, or maybe that's just like the price point that they can hit, it's really cool that they're coming up with different rewards for those for those buyers for those collectors. Um, I loved I loved the idea that they had previously with um, 
like holiday related um, inserts, uh, even if they were numbered like the the bat, the Halloween stuff, right? Like the bat was like out mm. of ten or some cat or something like that. Like I think it's cool. It's like me as a me as a collector when I go for rainbows, I I don't even consider those as cards to collect, like. I just completely ignore them. If someone's like, "Oh, did you collect the Halloween set?" I'd be like, "No, of course not. That's that's for kids." Like, and so it's good. Like the, the kids who yeah. want to collect and the kids who want to chase, they have these numbered cards or they have these memorabilia and and different rewards and stuff like that. So I, I really like the idea. I mean, it's way better than opening a box of retail and having a manufactured relic that's completely useless. So yeah, those so, are the worst. Yeah, so good for them for creating a little bit more of a chase. So I like it. But you still go for the hobby box, eh? Even if it's a one autograph or one relic, is you still got that kind yeah. of yeah. point flip? Yeah, I I honestly wish that that's my that's my big wish that Fanatics would change that because I am getting to skunked. What? Like a guaranteed just, just auto. one guaranteed auto, please. Yeah, like right, right. is it not, is it not guaranteed yeah. auto this year? It is, isn't it? Is it? I don't think so. I think I, I could have sworn I, we talked about that. Because if it I is, I just double check. But on the marketing material, it says one auto. Like on all the websites, it's one auto, one relic. Oh, so I don't know. Yeah. So you know, I'm going to be hitting all those relics. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, like you guys, I love it because I, I buy blasters anyway. I rarely buy like hobby boxes of certain sets mm. you know like uh like even even like heritage you know like i love heritage but i'll just buy one blaster just to get a oh a fix, really right wow yeah. like i don't buy the hobby box i'll buy a hobby box of top series one because that's like 100 bucks or so right but um and i'll take the chance of getting a relic or auto i i think i have better luck than will i, I usually get the auto <laughs> you know <laughs> so so um but uh yeah but for for other sets this is a great incentive for me not just to buy one blaster. I might buy even two now. You know, if I know that I'm not going to buy a hobby box, I'll, I'll splurge and and try to get that too. And you know, I probably won't get the <laughs> redemption card anyways. But it's a good way to get people, you know, to buy more blasters. I guess we'll see um, how that plays out. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be more content out there of people hitting these redemption cards. So that'll be kind of cool to see what the signed memorabilia are too, right? Like uh, uh, which players. You know who signed what, and and it'll be kind of cool to see if it's like you know even one of the stud players like J Rod or Acuna who are a big part of their marketing plans apparently, right? Um, for tops, so so yeah, we'll see. All right, let's go on now to today's hobby headlines. All right, so every time there's a profile or major interview that involves Michael Rubin, CEO of Fanatics. We always like to review the article and highlight anything interesting that might have been said in the interview. Um, now, the most recent article in the New York Times, I think a couple weeks ago, or maybe even a week ago, it was titled, Will Fanatics Upend the World of Sports Collectibles? Okay. And there was a lot that wasn't really new, to tell you the truth. You know, like it's, it's something Michael Rubin has said in uh, other interviews on other podcasts. But there were some interesting quotes. So I'll go over a few of them and, and then we could just talk about whether we agree or disagree with it or if we had any other thoughts that might be related to what was said. All right. So 
I'll start with some of the context. And one of the paragraphs, it says, two years ago, Fanatics reached a deal to become the exclusive trading card partner of Major League Baseball and the Baseball Players Unions. It then bought Topps, the iconic trading card maker, for roughly $500 million, becoming a kingpin in an industry worth an estimated $44 billion, according to Verified Market Research, a data firm. So that's some context for you. We knew about the $500 million uh, purchase of Topps. Um, I didn't know about the $44 billion worth of the industry, but that that's, sounds like a pretty big number. Right. And um, the first... The first quote I want to talk about is from Mike Mahan, who leads Fanatics Collectibles, right? And he says, this is an industry that's lived in the shadows for all intents and purposes. And now we're bringing a degree of prominence and relevance to it and making it cool, fun, and exciting. So do you think Fanatics has done that? <laughs> or, or does this have a long way to go in terms of making the hobby cool, fun, and exciting? Yeah, I think I think he's getting a little bit ahead of himself, if we're being honest, and and, and taking way too much credit. I, I think you know, if we're being honest, the sports card industry kind of f fell ass backwards into this craze because of COVID. I mean, so many collectibles did right. People are collecting like wine bottles, Rolex sure. watches, you know, art pieces, CDs. Um, so it was just a part of that huge rush, and I don't think. Fanatics or anybody, even tops, or I don't think anybody really deserves to take any credit for all of it. It's just it's sort of almost happenstance. Um, but we'll we'll see if uh, you know. I I think the three of us like to say it's cool, but that's just within the hobby. <laughs> we know We're what cool. people talk. We know what people say that are not a part of this. Uh, yeah. we're, that's probably the wrong word, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're obviously, you know, the part about living in the shadows, I think I understand that context from a marketing perspective, right? Fanatics, mm. these guys are marketing monsters. And uh, it's very clear, we've talked about this many times, the hobby has not been marketed at all. So I think that's going to be the, the difference factor here in uh, what's coming up in trying to make it cool, trying to make it relevant. I think there's a lot that needs to happen because... It's also coinciding, and we haven't talked about this as much, but like their efforts are also coinciding with this possible junk, junk wax 2.0 era, right? Like we, we could be very much yeah. about to or are in the thick of junk hmm. wax, what, whether we realize it or not. So fanatics may, in my opinion, have a way bigger uh, job here than they, they, they may mm. be thinking, right? Cause when they first purchased it, this is when everything was going crazy. So it was like very easy to kind of say whatever you wanted because the market was just blossoming. Um, but the state it is right now, I think they, they've got some work to do. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I mean, I, like John said, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say cool because the other day I forget who I was talking to, but I mentioned that I, every once in a while do a podcast with a couple friends and they're like mm -hmm. oh awesome like maybe i'll check it out what's it about and i said oh sports cards and the person's face just like dropped it's like <laughs> oh okay cool and like you know like all three of us our wives do not think we are cool when we're all That's sitting, true. yeah. I've been listening to one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Like none of our wives think that we are cool. 
because we love cards. Um, and then the excitement factor. I mean, I get the same excitement factor when I open a box of cards as I do when I go to the casino and play blackjack. And that level of excitement is fleeting and dangerous <laughs> and mm. for some people very problematic and right. I, I don't know like i don't know that we want to say that it's like exciting like it's not exciting in any other way right um but I, I get what he's saying like you know he's trying to open it to a broader audience he's got to use some positive adjectives to make it to make it kind of something that people want to check out um sure but i get that too yeah but at the same time come on like cards have been around for hundreds of years and mm. the people who think it's cool and fun and exciting um they'll be here forever right right but we are we are like what's it called is it the marines the few the proud <laughs> like <there's... laughs> oh man yeah. come on <laughs> I'm 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 definitely more optimistic than you guys. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our, you know, I I have two boys, so they, you know, well, the older ones, the six-year-old, he definitely thinks it's cool, yeah. right? You know, uh, so so the younger generation might make it even. If it's going to be cool, it's going to be those guys making it cool, not us. Yeah, you know, but, we're we're just like, yeah, yeah. But if your kids think it's cool, mm -hmm. or if your mom thinks it's cool. Like, if your mom thinks you're cool or your kids think you're cool, you're not cool. Yeah. Like, it's not actually cool. <laughs> so. I see. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I, you're kind of alluding to it, but I get what, where uh, Mike Mann's coming from, right? Like, the marketing, you know, like making it more appealing to the broader audience, right? And I think, mm -hmm. I think you are right. Like, what's exciting about it is the gambling aspect of it right now with the breakers and all that. But I think the hope or one of their hope is to make it appealing for more people as a collectible space. You know what I mean? Like, like just for, for cards to be cool to collect and uh, almost like an art piece, like art's kind of, you know, like not everyone's into it, but people still think it's like has some kind of prestige, you know? And, uh, you know, I think that's the image that fanatics is trying to change. It's not these like, you know, church basement shows that you go to um, for, for sports cards anymore. Right. It's like, Oh, it's big conventions at these large convention centers and here's a, a lot of these corporate um you know companies coming into the space to make it more hipper or you know i don't know you know what i mean like to grow it right uh, like like they always say my two cents you guys don't look convinced that sounds that sounds worse to me i want more, <laughs> more i want more sellers at a show and those sellers are usually sweaty and gross and have been sitting in the same seat for three days and not had proper meals and not had proper hygiene and not had enough sleep. Oh man, come when on. You... There's, there's, there's hipper guys that are selling these cars. <laughs> sure, sure. But then, you know, you go to those bigger shows and it's like, yeah. there's so much corporate space and there's so much like, like mm. buzz stuff that's going on. And like, I get it. That has to be there to help fund the, the show and fund the hobby. But it's not why I'm, it's not what I'm looking for. It's not why I'm at a show. Fair. Yeah. To each their own. All right. Um, we'll go to blurb two. Um, and this we already talked about in the past, so we don't have to really go uh, too deep into it. But I do want to mention it again. And it says in the article, quote, in the 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Collecting World Fanatics has tried to cut a middleman to reduce costs. Tops now sells directly to almost 700 hobby shops up from 180 before Fanatics bought it. And then we also knew, it says here, they also bought leading card printer GC Packaging, right? It says to improve quality and reliability. And they also bought the second largest online marketplace for cards, PWCC, which I, to tell you the truth, I kind of forget. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't know. I never knew that. Yeah, exactly. So so they own a lot of um, hobby entities. And then the third blurb is connected to it. Um, This is a quote from Michael Rubin. He says, they, meaning Panini, sued us for the very things they succeeded in doing over 15 years ago, present a more compelling model for sports properties and win rights from the incumbents. And then he goes on to say, the industry needed significant change and innovation, and they are now viewed as antiquated. So do you think that's a fair assessment by Michael Rubin of his main competitor, Panini America? Did he drop the mic immediately after? Like, <laughs> right. such a, he just, That'll be a good mic drop he moment. He just yes. laid a smackdown on them. Just, essentially, that whole quote is, nah, 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 boo, boo. <laughs> like, yeah. like, we beat you. Like, that's, that's tough, yeah. 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 Uh, I To be honest, yeah, I think I think... Hyung would also agree, you know, like if, if yeah. leaning on our other co-host, uh, I would say, because he, he's usually on the side of marketing and fanatics and uh, business movement and stuff. And I would I would say the industry needing significant change, um, you know, old practices are viewed as antiquated. Yeah, I think I agree because Panini and Tops, in my view and, and perhaps in the view of many people, I think they've been really lazy. They've, they've been very lucky um, to have had this huge burst in the industry and they really haven't done anything to give back or to spend in marketing dollars or to provide more and more incentive for buyers. They just continue sure. to print more and more and raise prices more and more and just con- just take advantage. And if, if, you know, hopefully something happens here between Panini and Fanatics, but on its current course, without Fanatics stepping in, we certainly would have been completely, you know, like jumping into the deep end of Junk Wax 2.0. Like, there's no question. Just more printing and more money. And it's just more about, you know, obtaining dollars from all of the consumers. So um, I think everybody is nervous because the main thing here is Fanatics is going to almost have a monopoly so anytime that happens right. you your 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 defensive walls come up and you know what that could you know that could entail but on the other t- on the hopeful side you are hoping that Michael Rubin does the community does the hobby right um, and really does show the significant change and excitement and all all of the yada 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 buzzwords um yeah mm-hmm. I agree totally like I think I think well, I, I also agree with what Michael Rubin says, but to your point, John, I think who's who's to say Fanatics won't be 
what Panini is doing 15 years from now. You know, right. if they're on top for so long, there's a bad habit of companies who are on top for that long to get lazy, like you said, you know, and, and um, I'm hoping that, you know, they always say they're going to try to 10 X the hobby, whatever that means. But in that growth, I hope there's going to be other players coming into the space, creating more competition and then making the hobby, making the industry overall more ro robust than it has been in the, in the past. So that's the, I guess the, Best case scenario that I can think of right now, but but you never know, right? Especially when we're talking monopoly. All right, um, you were gonna say say anything? No, they're gonna ten x their pockets for sure. <laughs> at the very least, yeah. at the very least. <laughs> All right, um, blurb four is something uh, you're mentioning, John, too, about like if this junk box era two But I think there's um, in the article it kind of recognizes that there are these patterns, right? And and the story says. Card collecting may be a hobby, but it is also a fragmented industry punctuated by booms and busts. In the 1990s, manufacturers flooded the market with cards, prompting prices to collapse. That's Junk Wax Era 1.0. In the early part of the pandemic, prices surged as collectors had more time to chase wish list cards. The market has cooled some, but here's, a, here's an interesting um, ending to that sentence. But the article says, but remains strong. So do you agree that's where we are now? That it definitely cooled some, but do you feel like it's in a good stable place or do you feel like it's going to drop further? Yeah, so the, kind of like what I mentioned before, you know, I think the three of us with, with Young and I guess four of us with Will, but we've always been bullish. You know, that's why the podcast is called Cards to the Moon. But we're mm -hmm. at, you know, like kind of playing off of what I just said earlier um, in this segment. We're kind of at a crossroads. So you're, you're, we're like tipping potentially on the scales of heading into Junk Wax 2.0. So I think there's a little bit of a, a dance that's going to happen here to make sure mm. that the demand is the, is the demand, has it remained strong currently? I think so. I think that's a very accurate statement. But yep. when you look at, for example, um, was it Slap, Slap Stocks or something released an IG reel? Uh, IG post today about the, you know, Panini Prism now has 65 parallels up from 51 from Jeez. last year, right? And they had this yeah. new list of so many parallels. And you should just see the comments. Like people just see, here we go again, junk wax. Like you guys need to stop like spending these absurd amount of monies on ROI that doesn't exist. And like the, the, what's different about the, the current market versus the 90s is in the 90s, we didn't know about print runs and we're just buying because that was the thing to do. The current market is a lot more savvy, like the, the customers and we all know about print runs. We're very aware. So I don't think this is a situation where Panini or Tops or Fanatics can just throw product and make new product and print more product and just continue mm -hmm. this cycle for num years. And it's not going to last years and years. So that's that's, I think... In this next year or so, we'll see what happens. I think if they go over the top, the, the customers, the hobby is going to respond accordingly and be like, I've had enough of this. This is absolute garbage. Or if they continue to innovate and provide more and more value for the money, you'll, you'll, that's where the, the demand will continue to stay, right? So it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's, we're, I think we're right on that, you know. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, um, like you're saying, John, the customer base is becoming more savvy. Like, even in, in, in our group chats and even when we're talking about <clears throat> cards, 
we're not chasing base. We're not chasing uh, silver right. prism. We're not chasing non-numbered stuff. We're going after like the higher end, the the lower print numbers. And so I don't know. For me, like if I see uh, Panini, in, I, I don't really collect too much Panini product anyway. But you know, if they introduce another parallel. Uh, baseball does it all the time, right? Another color and whatever. I just disregard it. I, I don't care about it. Like that Halloween set. Mm. It's like, oh, they got this cats and bats and rats out of 10. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, I don't yeah. ever want that card, but I'm glad. Right. <laughs> I'm glad it exists. Yeah. I'm glad that someone's going to enjoy that card and value that card. And I feel like um, just in general, the the hobby is becoming smarter about what they're chasing after and all that kind of stuff. Like, like I remember even, even a couple years ago during the height of it, there was a, there's that product uh, tops clearly or, or even like tops archives. And then they, where they buy back the card and then they Mm, put a one of one stamp on it. and, And then the player autographs it. And I remember seeing people post like, Oh, one of one, like, who wants to buy this $10,000 and people are like, you know, that's just a base card that they just took back. And, and then like, <laughs> right. even the auto, it's like, it's usually in like really thin, like pen. <laughs> I don't know why they use a ballpoint pen. The old like, school ballpoint pen. Right. Like crease up the card. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't even look good. And then like back then, like you try to tell some of these people, it's like, um, you know, that that's not the same as, like a rookie auto and they're like no it's from his rookie year it's his rookie card and it's autographed and it's one of one it's like no it's it's different it's not the same (laughs) and like yeah so i feel like people don't do that as much people recognize oh like tops clearly or tops archives those aren't as good as the true rookie autos or Mm. omen chrome like first autos and stuff like that so those cards will continue to hold value and have value but i think just us as collectors our eyes have shifted to focus more on the rarer stuff and all the other cards those are the ones that will fall down in value i think early on you had a podcast guest i forget who it was maybe refractor jones i forget it was someone mm-hmm. and he was talking about how like almost all cards will go to zero value yeah and it's just like right at first, that sounded like doom and gloom. But then when you think about it, you're like, yeah, you know what? None of these cards should be worth anything, right? Like, yeah. a, like a base rookie shouldn't be worth anything other than passing it to a kid and the kid being like, oh, my gosh, I love this player, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or or being part of a Topps buyback program, you know? Yeah, so. yeah that's cool, too. Uh, I do appreciate that. <laughs> and I think that's the key. Like, I agree with both of you saying, like, the customer base is getting generally more savvy in the hobby, but the innovation will be the key in, in terms like exactly what John mentioned earlier. And, and I think the next quote kind of speaks on that, on it a, a little bit and, and we don't have to elaborate on it, but I just wanted to kind of tie that in. And uh, Michael Rubin here again says, the thing that I'm most excited about is the idea is three years old. Um, he said, adding that fanatics collectibles generates north of 1 billion in revenue. And he goes on to say, we took our first sale in 2022 and we've done so much in less than two years, but I think we're like 10% of this journey, 20% of this journey. So there's so much innovation coming. 
So end quote. And then end of the day, I guess you either believe him or not, right? Like mm -hmm. if you think his um, excitement and his zeal is legit, then then you should be excited for the the hobby and and all the innovations coming. And and I, I'm, to tell you the truth, if Young was here, I'm sure he would agree with me. I think we lie more on the side of yes, we kind of believe what Fanatics is doing because his, their track record in the last year and a half, especially with their marketing and with their different um, you know launches has has been great to tell you the truth like i can't you know and getting you know and going back to the cool factor i think really it's just michael rubin inviting his celebrity friends that's making it you know cool but of course he can't do that all the time right but um it's a good start and so so i'm yeah. bullish that way as well that fanatics is involved in that way right did you guys um side story did you guys see the tops instagram post I think it came out like literally right before we jumped on this podcast with Michael Harris mm -hmm. going undercover oh, yeah. to, to yeah. the card show. I, I thought that was pretty cool. That's a good one. He went under. Like he that. went undercover. At yeah, a yeah, yeah. He, oh, he, he put like he put like white in his beard and he put a hat on and he's walking around the card show asking like looking at Michael Harris cards and talking <laughs> oh, about good. himself and yeah, that's good. Th I thought it was good. Yeah, I love those kind of undercover stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, but going back to Michael Rubin's thing, I think, yeah, you have to, you have to want to agree with it because that's what we want to see. And if, if you're in the marketing world, like, I mean, looking at the card, the sports card industry and how it was so not marketed for something that is so gigantic, you know, if you brought in somebody like a Michael Rubin or any of uh, a top executive mark in the marketing space, like a guru in the marketing space, they would be, mm -hmm drooling at the potential of a, a billion dollar yeah. industry that hasn't been properly marketed and then applying um, proper marketing tactics. So it, it's easy for Michael Rubin to talk about it's only in year three of the idea and that it's, we're only at 10%. Those are all facts. Like in terms of a marketing, sure, you know, the marketing journey, it's 100% factual. Now, whether he can deliver on the 20, 30, 40, 50, up to 100% and 10xing, that's obviously a different story, but the potential mm. certainly, it's certainly there. I can't, like, I think we'll all agree that the potential is certainly there. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yep. Well, here's a, the next blurb um, is from the other side. Uh, the, Jason Howarth, he's a senior vice president of marketing at Panini. Okay. And this is his quote. We are the leaders in the space and have grown this category into what it is today. And then he says his global, the global revenue from for Panini from trading cards topped 1 billion in 2022, which is up from 200 million in 2010. And then he goes on to say, we were the first trading card company to embrace case breaking when no one wanted them. And we have over 2000 athletes, including NBA MVPs and Super Bowl MVPs who sign our cards. They did. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I don't. <laughs> you know, like not to to harp on them even even further, but Panini just continues to. I mean, like it, it's it's such an arrogant, you know, sentence quote because yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like Panini had a huge. I and I don't know the story. Like we, I don't think we weren't collecting in twenty ten. During the transition right, of sure. Pops Chrome to Panini. But clearly when you have a huge shift where you get to take over 
licensing and you know panini at that time wasn't necessarily big in the sports card space and they saw the opportunity to really make an impression obviously you're gonna put big time dollars into pushing and gaining revenue and gaining market share so did they rent it did they you know innovate in that space in 2010 and 2011 perhaps they did um are they uh you know have they grown this category into what it is absolutely not like they, they they're like everybody else they fell ass backwards into a, a billion dollar profit in 2022 this is my personal opinion um right you know where they i don't really understand what they're their first card company to embrace case breaking i guess you know like maybe breaking was frowned upon and they didn't want to companies didn't want to release to people or lcs's that were breaking known to be breaking but they're the first to be like yeah you're gonna break like on a YouTube channel, we're for it. We'll continue to provide more stock. Like, I don't know if that's what they mean by that, but um, yeah, it's a, you know, they're, they're clearly on the edge about to, we don't know what's going to happen to them. So he's got to say whatever he's got to say and, and pump up his brand. And it comes off, you know, like if, if you were in tune, you know, if this SVP was in tune with the hobby and knew where Pinini stood as a brand and how we're viewing Pinini right now, I think he would have been a lot more careful in how he comes across to the audience of of all of us, right? It, it, yeah, me sure, personally, sure. you know, I, I just feel like he's a bit <laughs> out of tune. He's a bit out of tune to to be speaking like this. I know he has to speak like that, but I don't know. It's it, a bit nonsense to me. Yeah, it's like um, saying like, "Oh, we we really embraced uh, breaking." It's like, what do you mean? You embraced your customer base who wanted to buy more of your product. It's like, it's like, oh, good yeah. for you, like, <laughs> guys. We're so great at this. We, we these people want more of our product, and we said yeah. yes. Like, we're so innovative. We we did it, yeah. guys. And then, like, I don't know. Right. He says they say like. Uh, Started in 200 million in 2010 and it, it topped, was it 1 billion in 2022? Yeah. But it's like, yeah. is that, do you see like this steady progression or was it like everything else where in 2022 everything went crazy mm. or was it 2021? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's like you're spinning your wheels for 10 years and then a pandemic happened and we're all <laughs> stuck at home and then the hobby, <laughs> hobby went nuts. It's like, did yeah. you, did you create the pandemic? Like, was that your, <laughs> was that your invention? Like, like John said, you, you fell ass backwards into this, yeah, and you're lucky to make a lot of money because you had exclusive rights. Like, also, you have exclusive rights to a product. Like, you should have made more. Yeah, Probably you should have. You more. should make more. Like you should mm -hmm. have held. You should have figured out a way to hold on to your exclusivity. That that yeah. would have been the sign of you being great at at this, right? But but no, Panini came in, and they they like they just took everything. They took your they took your managers. They took your they took <laughs> right. your. Like, your staff, they took any ideas that you had. They just took yeah. all your licenses. They didn't even ask. They just took it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I agree. I tend to agree with you guys. And, and I, I kind of feel bad because we're bashing on Panini so much. And I don't know what it's going to take for them to turn things around. 
Like his quote sounds kind of desperate to me. Uh, but just to be fair, later on in the article, um, there is a store shop or a hobby shop owner in Lindhurst, New Jersey. His name is Mike Calvanico, and he's been a shop owner for 40 years. And it says he focuses on selling boxes and cases of cards and not singles. And then um, the article says success to him are card series that have high resale value. And then he said lately, Panini, not Fanatics, has issued more cards that have been a hit with his customers. And he is quoted as saying, Panini could have rolled over when Fanatics came in, but they care about the stores and the public. He said, the guys in the production development at Panini are the ones putting food on my table. I just wanted to be balanced. You know, there are people out there, <laughs> store owners out there, uh, you know, been around a while that um, see it the other way, I guess. And, and maybe, I guess, the cynical side for us is that, well, he doesn't want to adapt to what Fanatics is going to do, right? So, um, so that's interesting to hear, hear that perspective, I guess. I mean, if you've ever wondered what an industry plant looks and sounds like, it's, <laughs> it's that guy. Another conspiracy theory, Another conspiracy theory from Biggie McFakerson from <laughs> Fake City, Idaho, just came up with this. Oh, yeah, they took care of me. But, but it does kind of hint at this thing about, like, fanatics really cutting out card shops and stuff like that so i mean i mm. get i get why he's gonna why the card shop owner is gonna say it too because he's scared that he's gonna lose his livelihood right sure yeah yeah, yeah. so that's fair mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, i mean and, you always got to chase the money figure out why people are saying the things that they're saying and if you yeah. chase the money you kind of figure it out yeah, yeah. that's yeah. wise and you have to take it with the you know latching onto what wilson yeah you do have to obviously take it with a grain of salt like this is one shop owner's experience right like sure. yeah. that particular local rep for panini could be the best at his job like just really good with relations and he's just having an amazing experience it could be it could be that and then even the talk even in talking about panini issuing you know more cards and, and more cards that are popular with the customers i think that's factual i think the reason why we're all so upset at panini as hobbyists is because we feel like they're ruining very good brands that they've created. Like Prism is great. Select is one of them. You know, Donruss Optic. Like there's no question yeah. Panini has uh, either taken over and adopted or created very, very good products that we all sure. have come to love. And we feel like they've yeah. been really pooching those brands, like really like wetting the bed or pooping the bed on those brands <laughs> in the last couple of years, right? So that's why we're upset. We're, we're, you know, I give some credit where credit is due. They did create some really good products. And a lot of us are getting upset because we feel like because of their greed or whatever they're doing or stupidity or whatever they're doing in the background or, or lack of focus and whatever, we, there's a lot of these prism or a lot of these brands that we feel are kind of going by the wayside right now, right? So that's really what Fair it point. is. Yeah. Yeah, fair. All right, one last uh, blurb, and then we'll uh, wrap up hobby headlines. But this this is surprising to me, actually. Um, the article says the promotion, and they're talking about the MLB debut patch. You know, the one where, uh, for for those who aren't aware, the rookies of last season they wore a patch on their jersey for the first game they ever played in in the uh, big leagues, and then they took the patch off their uniform and they insert it into the cards, which are all in Topps Chrome update right now. So that was a big success from uh, Fanatics slash Topps. So he's saying the promotion is partly why Major League Baseball has vaulted ahead 
of the NBA and NFL in the licensed trading card market. According to one industry executive, sales of baseball cards this season are expected to hit about $640 million, which is up from $370 million two seasons ago wow. when Fanatics purchased tops. Sales of NBA, on the other hand, sales of NBA and NFL trading cards are expected to fall to about $350 million from about $550 million two seasons ago. So we see baseball going up, and then we see football and basketball going down. Um, surprised by that? I mean, who, who's going to – I mean, the, the previous quote was like, oh, Panini's bringing up greater products that my clients are looking for. It's like, really? Like, who's looking for that Wemby no-auto card? <laughs> like, Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like there's not there's nothing good left in Panini, right? Like they're gonna lose all their licensing. There's they're not gonna have good cards, they're not gonna have licensed cards. Maybe maybe I'll start collecting Panini now that they're gonna be unlicensed since I'm the king of collecting <laughs> unlicensed cards. <laughs> maybe I'll finally start liking Panini product. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like yeah. They got nothing left for them. So the top so they're credit, crediting the tops promotion. Wait, who is who exactly is crediting the tops promotion as one of the driving forces of base for baseball? Well, it says according to one industry executive, so they don't. Oh, name anyone. one industry executive. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I'm sure that that promotion or that you know the chase did produce a lot for tops. You know, paper was it? Pa- it was paper that came out of right. You know, heavily printed. It, I'm sure the, right. the revenues were were fantastic, right? Um, but baseball has, you know, I remember you showing the the figures of baseball numbers, right? It was like football is at a 30 percent loss, and basketball is at a, and baseball was at like a 9 right, percent yeah. loss. And I think a lot of it, yeah, perhaps promotion is a big part of it, yes. Um, but baseball has some strong products, and like Bowman first. People underestimating how much fire Bowman First has taken in the last like two, three years. Like how people have chased it and how much ROI there is in it. If you, you, you know, the moment you rip, you get all the base cards, you send them to SUC and you can start profiting. And there is a whole little ecosystem that happens within Bowman Draft and Bowman Chrome and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, I, I would credit a lot of that to the, the baseball revenue. So baseball has yeah, a unique. There's a unique little um, sports card culture within baseball that's different because of Bowman First, right? The, the de- development of Bowman First. Right. So I, I would say that's a big part of it, more so than the uh, debut patch. Sure. And I think that, you know, baseball cards, uh, just a much longer history. 100%. You know, and I, think, I think people undervalued that aspect of it. You know, the collectors are diehards. And, right. um, you know, I have friends. I'm not even talking about sports cards now, but I have friends that are like, you know, saying baseball's dying and, you know, they're all about Raptors and the basketball right. um, culture and things like that. But, but you know, like baseball's been around a while and there's a reason why they've been around a while. You know, they have a strong base. And and then, you know, they're tr- of course, there's a lot of room to improve the sport of baseball, which MLB is trying to do now. But I don't think it's going to, it's in any danger of like, dying completely and then mm. taking the baseball card market along with it. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. Um, but it was interesting. Like I, I found it a little bit surprising because um, um, in a way, because, you know, basketball and, 
and NFL are, are getting a lot of the spotlight, you know, especially from our American collector friends. Um, but maybe the boom already happened, you know, and, and everything's kind of falling down to where it probably should be. Right. All right. Well, I, you know, it's, it was a really good read. If you haven't read the whole thing, it's on the New York Times website. Um, again, the article is called Will Fanatics Upend the World of Sports Collectibles? And uh, they also have a quote from the card father, Rob Barris, who owns Burbank Sports Cards and a lot of other sources. So, yeah, take a read and um, let us know what you guys think um, after reading it. Okay, let's go on to our next segment we call Just a Thought. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, we like to do this segment where we just brainstorm ideas. Um, I kind of sprung this up uh, on you guys um, kind of last second. So um, if you don't have one, that's fine. But I wanted to bring it up because I had one idea and I can't take credit for it. It is all Chris Begg, who who has been a guest on our show a couple of times. Um, and and uh, I'm going to just read the message you just sent me randomly one day. Okay. Let me just <laughs> pull it up. I love that. I love that. It's just random messages. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, here's the message. He's like, I've been thinking we have color match. We have number match, the Jersey number match. We need a name match pulling a Vita blue, blue refractor or an Elijah green, green, a Tyler <laughs> black, black. It needs to be a thing. <laughs> So, you know, what? I, I obviously it was hilarious, but that, that, that could be a sneaky play. You know what I mean? No one's really, and then I, I responded, ha brilliant. Does Paul Goldschmidt gold refractor count? And then he goes, he goes on to say, maybe it has to be a gold shimmer. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Name match? Do you think that has potential? <laughs> I mean, it's then, it's a. There's more. There's more. It, it's yeah. It, it's a it's a fun thought, but uh, could it catch on? I, I I doubt it because when when you yeah, if if we're really gonna really think about this seriously, like when you think about color matching, it it you relate the color match to the team and stuff like that, right? If you think if I think of Sean Green, ex Blue Jays baseball player. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about the color green. Like I associate Sean Green with baseball. I associate him with Blue Jays and the blue color. Like yeah, I don't ever think of the actual color green, right? So could it catch on? Probably not. But it's a, it's a fun it's a funny thought for sure. It should it should catch on. I would that'd be that'd be fun. I'm all for it. Let me yeah. let me let me stop this right now. <laughs> Come on, don't burst their bubble. Sure, you have Sean Green. You have Devon White. Devon White. Blue Jay. Oh, Devon sure. White. That's and then right. you have the Toronto Raptors first round pick from this year. Grady Dick. Oh no. Oh no. So we're gonna do a name match? <laughs> Whoa, you're oh I see. What do you think that, there. What, what do you think that card's gonna look like? Because let me tell you, I'm not gonna wanna own it. <laughs> or are we oh, saying it's only four people who have a last name of a color uh, that's what i was thinking but i i i guess you're thinking other things well the, all the other people <laughs> like they deserve to have a a name match let's get <laughs> let's get okay lameem james just had a greedy dick uh posting it was hilarious oh, did he oh. yeah it was oh, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyways, if you want to see it, go check it out. 
<laughs> it's a PG show, guys. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, what if in like ten years he's a star, like a complete stud, and then Ooh. I have to buy his jersey, and it's just gonna be, yeah, I'm just gonna have that jersey. Who are you talking about? Gritty. Gritty. <laughs> <Gritty. laughs> He's gonna be I mean, he's gonna be in my hall of jerseys. Like I have a I have a DeRozan jersey, I have a Lowry jersey, I have a Valentunas jersey. I just picked up a, a Pascal Siakam jersey, and then there's gonna be Grady right there. Oh man. <laughs> he is he is a meme just waiting to be bursted. I love he's, I love his attitude. He's such he's got yeah. such a great personality. You know, he has to be used to it by now, right? Like he grew For up sure. with that name. It's like he knows how to play it off. And it- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that's that's a fun one. You guys have any other just a thought ideas, or or was this enough for for the day? Oh, I got I got one. I got one. It's okay. not as it's not as funny. Um, just do I have to start it with just the thought? Like, is that what? How no, this, just... <laughs> just a thought. Um, I think. We should just get rid of grading altogether. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I think okay. is if, if I can see a, like a noticeable defect with the card, it should be a nine. We'll, we'll go PSA grading scale. Okay. If I can't see it like after looking at the card for 30 seconds, if I don't notice damage, just make it a 10. Okay. Hmm. If I can see damage immediately within a minute of looking at it or 30 seconds of looking at it, make it a nine. And then if it's like, uh, got some like, like, I don't know, like train tracks ran through it or like somebody chewed on the Ooh. edge of it or whatever, then just grade it like as poor or authentic. Like there should just be three levels of grades. It's like clean okay and horrible and that should just be it grading should only exist to authenticate and to let you know like hey i appeal wise this is pretty good because let me tell you i'm 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 preempting my my pick one later on but grading (laughs) is stupid and it makes no sense (laughs) and like you know it we were talking about junk wax era earlier you have these Ken Griffey Jr. cards. There's three million of them. And then, like, the only thing that differentiates the one that I have in my in my card box and the PSA, t- like, the, the one of, like, real good value is that PSA graded in a 10, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, who who are you, PSA? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> Like, why do I have to listen to you <laughs> about what the value of this card is? Because it's yeah. the same card, you know? I don't know. I'm just I'm so over you know, grading. I, I'm so done yeah, with it. I really don't have much to say, but, I, uh, you know, it, it just wouldn't be the same without a, 
you know, uh, anti-grade rant from Will, yeah. you know, every yeah. once in a while. But yeah. There was, folks. There was. Just, yeah. just a thought. Can we get rid of, <laughs> can we get rid of grading altogether? No. Will's trying no. to make it, he, every time he comes back, he's going to try to, whatever segment we do, he's going to try to make an anti-grade focus. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like, you know what? I, I also wonder, like, in 20 years time, 30 years time, like, maybe will there be less of a value on grading? Like, will we focus more on the rarity of a card? Like, if it's out of five red in, like, Top's product, that's out of five, it's super rare, and it's like, I don't know, you can't tell there's damage, but it's graded a PSA 9, or in Hyung's case, it's a PSA 7, and he has no idea why it's a PSA 7. Like, are we going to look at that and be like, you know what? I am not even gonna. I'm not even gonna acknowledge PSA in their grading scheme, like how they how they graded this card because it looks amazing to me, and yeah, it's out of five. I think that's it's a super rare card. I'm already doing that. Like, I, I would take the lower grade, even if it's eight, and it's it's a lower serial number. Yes, you know what I mean? like yes, it's, it's slowly happening. Value investor Brent, he's been talking about that as well. Like, people, that's a wise. Smart move, I think. Yeah, that's the first. That's the first step, gentlemen. It's the first step to (laughs) toppling, especially for newer modern cards, because the older ones you get, right? Because they're they don't parallels, and the grading is what differentiates the the rarity, right? In terms of the condition and all that. But there's no reason for it now. Like to your point, well, like brand new cards out of a pack, they they should all be nine or ten, anyways. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm there with you. The scary, the scary part is that everybody who owns big cards right now, especially in PSA 10 slabs, mm-hmm. you're essentially paying for the brand, right? So if, yeah. if in the future PSA collapses, like the value of so many, so many of our investments just will go down the, down the tubes because of just the brand. So that is a, that is a scary point. But going yeah. back to Will's thing, I'm on the complete. I'm on the complete opposite end. I, like, I love, <laughs> I love grading, but but I under, like I love the 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 core root of grading because that's how I was even as a kid. Like you guys, you know, we talked oh, about right. this yeah. to, to Lent, right? Like I was the type of kid who I would rip a card out of my a pack, and if I got that Todd Van Poppel, it immediately went into a sleeve and then a top loader, just like we do today. Like, at eight years old, that's what I was doing. I would quite carefully check. I mean, back then, <laughs> as a kid, I didn't we didn't know about surface issues, but you could tell about chipping. Uh, we didn't really pay too much attention on centering. Like, we didn't think that was a big, big deal, but certainly corners. So corners was corners. kind of yeah. the yeah. main yeah. grading you know, the, the, to the naked eye. So for me, like it very much bothered me if I had a card that had a dinged corner, like even at a young age. So the fact that there is grading now, that somebody that can kind of uh, authenticate or a professional that can tell me that this card is actually a pristine condition card in all aspects of the card. I love that. Now, moving forward, I think the frustration that Will has that, that many people have is the fact there's multiple grading companies and they all do the same job and they're all yeah, right, right. equally good at the job, but one is worth 10x versus the other just because of the brand name, PSA versus BGS, PSA versus SG. And I get that part. That part, the frustration there is valid. It shouldn't exist, but it is what it is. It's, you know, 
mm-hmm. consumerism and, and branding and it is, you know, you can't avoid it, but it does suck that, you know, an SGC 10 and PSA 10 is basically the exact same great, perfect, near perfect card, but the value of the two are so different just because one is in a different kind of case, right? So, yeah. But also it's like we rarely trust our graders. Like you're saying like, oh, I want somebody, I want an expert to look at this and tell me what I'm seeing or not seeing. But often it's the case where these graders, they have very, some of them, I'm sure many of them have worse eyes than we do and have <laughs> minimal training to mm-hmm. really grade these cards. Like like I submitted a PSA, like a like a, I think 20 cards to PSA and I labeled, like I wrote out the form of what these cards were and 12 out of my 20 card submission were mislabeled. And so if they couldn't even Mm. figure out the labeling when I told them what the card was, how can I trust them on their grade that they gave? Now, mind you, like 10 of the cards were from 1991 Topps Traded Tiffany. That's a really hard set to to evaluate because there's no like key indicate there's no obvious indicators of whether it's a tiffany card or or just a standard traded card but what you know about the tiffany card when you do research is that there's a little bit of yellowing or uh, it just looks a little bit yellower and a little bit more faded than the standard traded card so i got those cards graded back lower than i thought they were going to be and I'm assuming it's because they thought this was just the regular tops traded and it had like a weird glossy kind of finish on it. And so they lowered the grade. Because other than that, the corners, the, the edges, the surface, they were all pristine. So it's like, so, I they, don't... so they labeled the tops traded when it should have been tops traded Tiffany? Yeah. That's, oh, that's, that's, and then so I had to get all, re- they like, thankfully they relabeled them all, but it's like, how can I trust them that their grades are accurate when they oh, couldn't even man. get their labeling accurate? And then my my Vladdy, it's a Topps Chrome out of five home run jacket, the home run jacket variation. I wrote I I wrote the the form. It's 2022 or 2023, whatever it was. Topps Chrome, red uh, out of five, blah, blah, blah. And I got the card back. And it says Topps Chrome Sonic Red Wayway Ray Wave. Like they just like made up what the card was. <laughs> it's like I don't know who who told who gave them that information. They just wow, I didn't took know that. My info and disregarded it and was like, "Hey, I don't see Ray Waves, but I'm just gonna say that this is Ray Wave. I don't see that it's from Topps Chrome Sonic, but I'm just gonna put that." And it's just like, what? How? Like how? <laughs> So, um, I'm this just is why this this is why um, Will's upset about <laughs> grading in with PSA yeah. in particular. Yeah, and SGC. You know what? I'm sick and tired of nine point fives. Like seriously, just <laughs> give it a ten. You wonder why you don't have any value in the market? It's because yeah. you keep giving out nine point fives. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's I'm so bitter. We could. I think Will could go on and on. So just let's, let's end these. <laughs> that's a great way to end the just a thought segment <laughs> thanks for that will um yeah you know what uh, let's open it up to our listeners too if you have just a thought about anything to improve the hobby we'd love to hear it as well um all right let's let's finish off today's episode with a regular weekly segment we call 
pick one. And this is when each of us, we present two cards and then we debate which one we would rather invest in. All right, so Hyung usually starts things off, but since he's not here, John, do you want to do the honors and go first? Yes, I'm thankful you chose me because I'm, I was nervous one of you guys would have the same 1v1 and I do not have a backup uh, okay. thought of. So uh, Super Bowl is coming up at the time of this recording. Uh, Super Bowl has not happened. It is coming up. And I think, you know, for especially for the three of us that haven't really dabbled in football cards, um, sometimes you want to. And when you think about dabbling, there are usually as a present date for most collectors, there's two names. So I'm going to put it up. I think you know what's coming as an investment from this point on. And I'm not going to say specific cards. We can get into that. But for now, Brady versus Mahomes. Who would you pick if you're just picking one person to invest in from here on forward? Is it Brady or is it Mahomes? I'll go first. I I would have never picked uh, Mahomes. I would have always sided with Brady. Um, But this year, them making it to the Super Bowl, it's like, wow, this is actual sustained excellence. And, I mean, who knows how how much Travis Kelsey has left in the tank. Like, these amazing tight ends, eventually they they wear down, like Gronk did and and all of that. But, man, Mahomes has been good for so long, and he's still 28 years old right now, I think. And so, you know, maybe he plays till he's 45 like Brady. So he's still got a 1,000 years left to win more Super Bowls. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Mahomes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. You know, like, I, I, I was, this is a harder question than uh, than I thought originally, right? Like, for me, I was like, oh, it's the stupid Brady, right? Like, he's mm. got the Super Bowl rings and, and you know, like, um, he's played till the mid-40s, but that's not guaranteed for Mahomes. No. You know what I mean? Like, something could happen god forbid and then that's it right but um but i like the optimism <laughs> the enthusiasm from will and from all kansas city chiefs fans because his talent's legit obviously um the only thing I, w- I was really thinking about is in terms of investment pieces like brady's key rookie cards are you're paying a premium obviously for yeah, very expensive. all that he's done so far yeah whereas you know of course there are you know there's a um ig reel i don't know if you saw it Someone asked Mahomes, does he have his own $4 million card? And he's like, no, I wish I had my $4 million card, but I do collect some of my own, you know, rookie cards, you know? So that was kind of cool to hear. But, you know, there are some of Mahomes' cards that are, you know, like it's a few thousand, and I can see that going up. Like it could be a good investment, you know what I mean? Like the, you know, we always talked about the Optic Hollow like a couple of years ago, you and you and I, John, right, about – um, getting that that's probably about a couple thousand and if he continues on this career trajectory yeah it could 2x 3x but that being said i still go back to that football's a violent sport anything could happen brady is kind of the you know exception that he's lasted how long he has so i'm paying the premium for what's already written in the history books i'm going brady hey will if uh if on monday yeah. kansas city does not win uh-huh. Would your answer be different? No. How many how many Super Bowls? He's got wins? two, right? He's got two, right? 
Yeah. This is his this fourth fourth Super Bowl appearance? Appearance. In like yeah. five years. Yeah. Yes. Without question, if he wins, it's like a dynasty in the making. So there's that. Yeah. But if Honestly, he loses... No, because before this year, I would have never considered Mahomes as like one of the goats. Because I would have been, I was just like, you know what, you gotta, you gotta do it way more. T- you gotta do it way more often to to start being considered. But four times in five years, two wins potentially. By the time this this recording comes out, he's won his third. He's done it all, I think, quicker than Brady. That's amazing. Yeah. One thing I will say on in favor of picking Mahomes is the team wasn't that great. There are a lot of holes for Casey, you know, Chiefs and and they still got to the Super Bowl. So imagine in the offseason they pick up a couple more pieces. I mean, then we could really talk dynasty like like despite the fact that the Niners have a much better overall team, you know, they got more skilled players um, and they were expected to go far. Like I think I don't know if a lot of people like I know a lot, bunch of people that thought Ravens would easily beat the Chiefs last a uh, couple of weeks ago, right? So, so yeah, that's one more uh, point for Mahomes. But I'm still going Brady. <laughs> Man, I, I'm uh, I'm fifty fifty still. Um, I, I, I'm kind of like I kind of go both ways. I think I understand both, but oh, man, I can't. I have been looking for. A huge Brady card for a while now. I've never, I've, there's just too many cards, you know, like I've, I, I think I said Sidney Crosby, you know, but number two or number three, I do want a Brady <laughs> right. at some point. Like it's, it's on the list of big cards that I want. I haven't chosen exactly what. Um, but now with Mahomes, like we'll, we were saying, like fourth Super Bowl in five years, potentially after, by the time of this recording, could be his third Super Bowl win. Man, like I think. All those years we were saying he's he's underrated. You know, his pricing is underrated versus Justin Herbert and like these like young kids who are like double, triple his price. We could be looking at it like a generational stud here. Um, it's kind of panning out that way. Like this, Mahomes looks every bit legit and we continue to kind of underrate his super... And maybe we're not, you know, because like people in the football world are already saying this guy by the, by the end of the weekend could finish like already be in conversation of top five quarterbacks of all time already in his young career, right? So uh, that is unprecedented for like a guy this early in his career to be considered top five all time. Um, so I am, I think what gets me the most, and, and you know, it's a little bit unfair because I didn't really share pricing with you guys, but Brady is probably about double the price for most kind of like average Apple to Apple cards. So I'm going to give like the 51% to Mahomes. I'm going to pick Mahomes because Ooh. I think it's just a little bit, you are, it's a pretty solid investment at this point, I think. And the pricing is is a bit underrated for, I think, who people are finally realizing Mahomes is. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, by, a hard one. by the time we end this podcast, I'll probably flip back to Brady. But for now, I'll pick <laughs> 51 of Mahomes. I just, I just Googled it. Uh, so Tom Brady seven Super Bowl wins, and then Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, both with four, Troy Aikman with three, and then the next most is just like ten quarterbacks with with five wi- uh, with uh, two wins, including my guy Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, you know Eli and Peyton, and that's where Mahomes is right now. 
So Mahomes is already tied for the fifth most Super Bowl wins with two wins. So, I mean, like you were saying, John, like I think he's already in the conversation for top five of all time, especially if he wins. If he wins, it's like, yeah, you are top five. You know, you're tied with Troy Aikman. Right. So, All right. It's a Mahomes sweep. Let's go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think... Did did we convince you? Did we switch you over? <laughs> He's searching on you know, the hollow tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Mahomes is on my watch list all the time. Yeah. So in reality, I'm probably looking to pull the trigger on Mahomes more than a Brady. So <laughs> all right. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, well, you got one? That's good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, mine, like I teased earlier on, it's it's grading related. So, you know, one of the things I love about Hyung is every time you give him something to do he finds a way to not do it and do it weird so i'm gonna go in honor of him i'm not choosing okay. two cards i am choosing grading companies or i'm choosing yeah grading grades i'm choosing grades so oh, you okay, can choose to have an sgc 10 of a card and a bgs 95 so both are gem mint or you can have a PSA 10 and a PSA 9 of that card. So it's Ooh. PSA 9 and PSA 10 versus SGC 10 and BGS 9.5. And I'm going to give you guys a couple cards to kind of help you make your decision. Okay. Uh, in honor of all of our Canadian listeners, 2015 Upper Deck Connor McDavid. It's the first time I'm talking about a hockey card. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> um, a PSA 9 sold on average in the last three months for about 950. PSA young 10. Guns? Yeah, I think it's Young Guns. PSA young 10 guns, yeah. for 2350. So PSA 10, mm-hmm. 2350. SGC 10 sold for 1550. And a BGS 9.5 sold for 1350. So if you combine the totals for PSA 9 and 10, it's about $3,300. The SGC 10 and the BGS 9.5 total to about $2,900. So which one would you rather have? Two gem mint cards from quote-unquote inferior companies or a PSA 10 with a PSA 9? Oh, that's a good one. Man, I am... I think Will will know my answer, and he probably will not like it. It's I am <laughs> I am certainly going for the PSA ten, PSA nine. There's no question. That's that's an e- that's an easy one for me. I th- I think in terms of the the money value and long term value, because again, if you want to hedge some of your risk and you don't know where if PSA is gonna uphold this kingdom forever, there's obviously some opportunity there for BGS and SGC to climb up in value, but. For the time being, I think it's an easy answer because PSA 9s are pretty liquid for the most part. Yeah. And the fact that if you're going to PC it or it's going to be a part of like your, your big collection, I think for the most part, for me, the PSA 10 is appealing. And if I needed to bail on it, the PSA 10 just gives me such strong and such liquid return that it's, um, yeah, I, I, I had like, that's the unfortunate part of grading right now is even if you do like the tuxedo look of the SGC and you do like SGC, 
you know, CGC labels because they're clear and the, the acetate plastic is, is amazing and immaculate. Whatever reasons you have, BGS, you know, Clark, Clarky, you like BGS. Mm-hmm. If you have a huge card and you think it has a great chance at a tent, you are 100% picking PSA tent, PSA to get that money return, right? So it's, it's just the unfortunate part of the way the, the, the money and the, the brand value is shaking out right now. So yeah, PSA, PSA 10 for me. Hmm. You know, I was really leaning, like I wanted to say BGS and SGC and, and I might've said it if the, the comps that you gave us will, if the BGS SGC side was higher, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and then I'd be like, you know what? I like BGS already. Like John mentioned, that's, you know, and, uh, and SGC, you know, I, I've, I've been able to sell SGC cards in the past, you know, so it's somewhat liquid. Um, and then on the other side, PSA 10 obviously is the king and it's premium, but PSA 9 right now is, is essentially the price of a raw card. You know, any, any good condition raw card that people hope to gem, that's what PSA 9s are going for, you know? So I don't see a lot of value in PSA 9s, but I do agree with what you said, John, that even PSA nines at card shows are pretty liquid. You get rid of them. You might have to, you know, um, um, take something off the price, but you can get rid of them, right? So, um, with those reasons, at the end of the day, the PSA brand is just too strong right now. So yeah. I'm going to go with the ten and nine. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even give you the other cards. So like Mike Trout's uh, rookie card, um, the nine and the, the PSA nine and the ten total to about fourteen fifty. The SGC yeah. ten and the BGS nine five only total to thirteen fifty. Damn! Right, it's a 10 in, that's... yeah. And in both situations, the the PSA ten is almost double the BGS nine five in terms of price. That's so just like it's crazy how differently um, the card is valued for nothing other than the label that's on the outside. Right, we all agree. <laughs> right. We all agree that if you have a BGS 9.5 and an SGC 10 and a PSA 10, quality of that card-wise, they're equal. They're mm-hmm. negligible. You shouldn't be able to tell any difference in the card, right? But the price is drastically different just because it has PSA on the label versus the other ones. Um I was going to say, I was going to bring this up, this example up. PSA 10, 1986 Fleer Jordan card. There are mm-hmm. six sales in the last three months. Uh, one of them is like super high up, so I discounted that. The average sale for those, the five other sales, $200,000, yeah. which is, you know, down a lot from the peak. Yeah. But a BGS 9.5 sold for, on average, Thirty-one thousand. Wow! So it's just like, what are we talking about? What are we talking about here? It's a hundred and seventy thousand dollars less valuable because it's in a BGS slab. And so for that very reason, <laughs> clean sweep, I have to pick PSA nine and PSA ten. But the whole point of this exercise is to just say this makes no sense. This is the most hobby logic, illogical thing that we do. Other than, you know what, the other day I was driving and I was just like drifting off uh, in my imagination. And I thought to myself, man, I really care so much about cardboard 
with pe- people's pictures on them. <laughs> I love it so much. Love it. I love, I love it. it so much. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, PSA 9 and PSA 10. Clean sweep. Uh, I told you, like any segment, Wills is going to try to make it about grading. <laughs> I just I just want people, like, do we all not see how ridiculous this is? You know what? People need to open their eyes for sure. <laughs> all right. Let's end off this already long episode, which I, which I love, by the way, um, but with my pick one. All right. And this has to do with the, the article that we went through, the New York Times article, and I reserved this just for my own pick one. So the sentence here in that article says, Fanatics has issued, and we're talking about Victor Wembenyama cards, okay? Fanatics has issued cards with Mr. Wembenyama in street clothes because of the whole licensing thing, right? Um, while Panini has issued unsigned Wembenyama cards, uh, i.e. the no autograph, which is um, selling for a thousand bucks right now. I don't Ugh. know if you saw my real uh, raw cards, just over a thousand each. That's going to definitely plummet um, in a couple of weeks. But with that said, would you rather have at least right now, Wimbanyama in street clothes, aka like the tops now autograph card, right? You know, you don't have any logos or or um, official uniforms on it. Or would you have the unsigned Wimbanyama cards? Nothing, no auto, but just say there's a Panini Kaboom, okay? A Panini Ooh. Kaboom Wimbanyama, right? Um, obviously can't be signed. Or the tops now auto that we've seen before. Which was one would the, you rather have? Was the, the tops now auto? auto- I think was it a, on card? Yeah. Yeah. Is it on card? I believe it was. I got my yeah. answer. Yeah. I feel I like my answer. Game. Yeah. It's, def- it's definitely the auto for sure. Because even when I think okay. of, well. even when I think of Tom, like me collecting or getting a Tom Brady card, and obviously my wheelhouse is not Bowman Chrome Refractor. Like my favorite Tom Brady rookie, if I could just Holy Grail. Get one for free. It's it's the the upper deck SP the SP um is it SP authentic? No, what is it? The anyways the, the SP that's numbered out of twelve fifty or whichever that SP is. Yes, upper SP deck. authentic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that is my holy grail. Tom, that's the card that I would love to have. But in terms of my wheelhouse, when I'm looking at all the remaining, you know, that are kind of in my bracket price range. You know, I, there's like Upper Deck Black Diamond and there's Upper Deck Gold Reserve. And to be honest, the one that for me that's most appealing right now is the the Fleer Auto, the one where he's in the Michigan jersey, even oh, though it's really? his rookie card. Yeah, because I, I want, I think the appeal of rookie auto, I think, has a, a better long-term value. I don't know. I'm just... The, the the auto is is going to be especially in this collectible world that's kind of we're morphing into for sports cards. I think the on card auto, you know, awesome relics. I think that's going to start to to really make a big comeback. So, ten years from now, if if and when Wembenyama is considered a top twenty and he's one of the all time greats or whatever, or 10, 20 years from now, and you look back at his best rookie cards, and even if you you know not even flawless you know we're not talking like the million dollar ones but in a, a one thousand five thousand ten thousand dollar range i think the the odd on card autos are going to be a big part of that and it's unfortunate it's tops now but you know it makes it more rare mm-hmm. like that it is those are the only ones available so i think even in the future those tops now cards will be worth more than a Wembenyama kaboom or any other card that is you know that hasn't that doesn't have an autograph on it. So 
Maybe I'm wrong, okay. but the the auto appeals appeals to me. All right, before Will goes, because uh, I'm I'm going with Top Now Auto as well uh, for those reasons. I'm an on card auto guy. Um, Will is going to be the one that decides if it's a sweep or not because he's Mister Unlicensed. <laughs> I'm really curious to see which way he goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's hear uh, it. I was going to ask, um, what do you think happens? What when does um, Tops get the basketball license? 2025 or 26 i can't remember which so sport, do you um, think that that first auto will be considered like wemby's first auto like the rookie yeah hmm. yeah no no not the tops now but the like in two years when time, he has his license his first oh. official you know tops card and it's autoed i feel like it's like a special case where people will look at that card with a lot of fondness and treat that as like a special card so to me it kind of devalues the tops now card because i think eventually people Mm. are going to be like "Eh, i'd rather have his first year auto or his his auto from his first licensed Mm -hmm. year kind of thing right and then the other happen yeah yeah because one one example I know it's from hockey, Jack, and I guess it depends, right? If they release, let's say, uh, Nash, they re-release National Treasures Wemby, and they put the rookie sign on it with the auto, I think that would make it what that's what would make it if they brought back the rookie logo, because what happened in hockey was, uh, I, and somebody can confirm this. I, I I don't know the exact story, but Jack Eichel. I think he was a Leaf um, in his rookie season 2015. I think because of Connor McDavid year, he was a Leaf uh, athlete. So Upper Deck didn't have the rights to his autograph. So they have a Future Watch card numbered to 999, but it's non-autoed. And then three years later, when Jack Eichel did sign with the NHLP or whatever and became Upper Deck, they re-released his Future Watch auto with the auto on it in oh, the wow. 28 in 2018 Upper Deck SP. So you can actually get, or I don't know how you get it. Maybe it was a, a redemption or whatever. But anyways, in tw- three years later, they re-released. So if you look at Jack Eichel's uh, Future Watch Auto, it actually says 2018 Future Watch Auto. And you're like, what the heck? That's not his rookie year because they re-released it later when they did get the, right? So if Panini or Tops or whoever brings brings back the proper card with the rookie sign, everything's there and, they, and then Victor signs it just like it would. And if it's years later, I think it could work. You're right. Mm, mm. And so because of that, (laughs) and because I love inserts, so what I'll say is this. If it was the Tops Now Auto versus a Wemby Color Blast, I'm going to pick the Color Blast. Mm -hmm. If it's that no autograph garbage, (laughs) I don't even know what set that was. Whatever that top that goes next day or whatever next day autos or whatever if it's that set it's like no i'm not interested but a wemby color blast i think would be the only card no no i i don't really like the newer kabooms i'm a little bit of a snob with the kabooms i only really like vladdy and bo's kaboom here Ah, ah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I was. I, I thought. I. I didn't know actually which way you would go, but. Um, yeah. But uh, there you go, Mister Unlicensed stays true to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Panini's right. the licensed one. Or the. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are joining me in the king of unlicensed. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, uh, another fun episode. Whenever we have John and Will on at the same time, we know we're going to go along. But uh, I always have a blast <laughs> hosting the show with them. So I hope you guys enjoyed it too. We thank you guys for always tuning in uh, week after week. And uh, we'll have a brand new episode for you guys next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards or John at Trade You at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again and hope to connect soon.